Hey everyone, I'm Dave Sandell. And I'm Caleb Gardner. And this is the Best Album 4 Podcast, a podcast where I make Caleb talk about the best music for Christmas time. <laughs> You're making me sound like such a Scrooge, but it's not not true. <laughs> so I know we're recording this in kind of mid-November. It's going to come out in late November. If you had your dithers, when would you start listening to Christmas music? And is the answer December 24th? <laughs> it might be. I mean, it'd probably be like the week before Christmas. I mean, I'm just, I don't think it'll surprise you. Like Christmas music oversaturates for me so fast because it starts so early. So, so early. I think I saw in the UK, at least Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is already like out at number one, like Holy last smokes. week. Come on, people. <laughs> so it starts early. It's very repetitive. There are not a lot of Christmas albums out there. So the same stuff gets repeated over and over again. And not all of it is good. In fact, I would say like, I would venture to say generously half of it is bad. And half of it is good. That's my estimation of it. What, what, I don't know what percentage you would get. That. My, my judgment is that you have not gone as deep as I have on Christmas music. Oh, I have not for exactly those reasons. I'm not looking to expand my catalog. <laughs> I try to add two or three new Christmas albums to my my collection every year. Uh, that's oh, gotten a lot easier <laughs> with, Apple, with you know Apple Music, Spotify, streaming era. Yeah, sure. I used to buy CDs every year, and I think there are just so many, but most of them are under the radar, and you have to kind of dig for them. The ones that get played over and over in stores and on TV and on the radio, certainly that comes from like a crop of a hundred or less <laughs> albums. And man, there's so much good stuff out there. I want to talk about this for like four weeks straight, but I won't make it do that. <laughs> I mean, I I used to do that where I would like try new Christmas albums every season. But then you would like listen to these new Christmas albums. But then you were like, wait, this, these are the same songs still. Well, that's like, right. Do you they know are what the I same mean? songs. It's like yeah. just in three interpretations <laughs> of the same songs. So it's not it's not like it's a lot of new. Like how many times can one can silent night be you know reinterpreted i don't know i don't know man i listened to sufjan do it and i'm like oh maybe never maybe it can just infinitely be redone by interesting artists i think i feel the same judgment about christmas music maybe even to a more extent of like what people do when they do covers whenever i see an artist doing a cover of another artist i um, i like my judgment is immediately oh that's not going to be as good as the original and <laughs> i'm almost always right sure <laughs> you know sure so i get it so if an entire genre, an entire season is dedicated to that, of course, I'm going to approach it as, why do we have to do this to ourselves again? <laughs> Man, I am not the Scrooge of this episode. And I, I'm, I'm glad because I love it. I, I, I am not somebody who starts listening to Christmas music as soon as Halloween ends. Like I do essentially want to wait until Thanksgiving is over. That's what I was going to ask. So you do wait until after Thanksgiving usually. But usually my like December listening is either shoring up my top 10 of the year or it's listening to Christmas music. Those are like the only things I listen to will be like if somebody puts out a brand new album. Last year, SZA put out a brand new album like in December and I listened to it sometime in like late January because I just didn't have time for that. I had Christmas music to listen to. (laughs) Yeah, which is unfortunate because it was really good. It was really good. I don't know why it doesn't really fit on the 2023 best ofs, but it was too late for the 2022s. Right? It was it was weird timing. Yeah. Anyway, anyway she'll win Grammys. It'll be fine. She's, she's made plenty of money. I'm sure she's <laughs> yeah. consoled not being on Pitchfork's top 100. Or best album fours, <laughs> top 10 of the year. That's really what she was aiming for. There is a part of me that started this podcast just so I can 
actually have an outlet for these stupid lists that I make. Oh, that is a large part. That is a large <laughs> part of you. <laughs> so I would say I have endless numbers of honorable mentions and, and albums that I could talk about today. But I will say, I just want to kind of think through like what makes for good Christmas music and, and, and what is Christmas music's proper place in the month of December, I say on a podcast that's going to be released in late November. I think for me, obviously, I'm a former pastor. I'm in process of joining this religious order currently, the sort of dispersed monastic tradition. So it's not going to shock anybody to know that the Jesus part of Christmas is very meaningful to me. And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I often think of Christmas first and foremost as sort of a cultural American tradition rather than a religious one. I grew up Catholic and, and going to mass was a part of Christmas. But the, yeah. the, the most important parts of Christmas was gathering around the tree with your family, exchanging gifts, driving around looking at Christmas lights and listening to Christmas music, eating things that are only served in the month of December. And the, the, the idea of Christmas as a cultural institution is still very exciting to me. Like I still really love it. Yeah. And, and I oftentimes have to like remind myself to reach for the more spiritually moving part of it because I can easily forget it even as a former pastor because I just so love the, the cultural tradition of Christmas. There's something about imagining our world being like mystical and magical that kind of lights up all my senses. So once all the lights go up, I am... In heaven, like I will just spend all I, I'll spend whole evenings in December driving my kids around to look at all the crazy lights in Chicago. I love this part of of, of the year. I don't know where to go from here because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why don't you like it? No, uh, well, you can't not like Christmas. I mean, I'm not I'm not like a hundred percent of Scrooge, but I think it's now. <laughs> it was my favorite holiday growing up, and now it is wrapped into stress about gift giving to the kids sure sure. family drama consumerism it's just like there's so it's complicated i would say that's it it's not it's not that i don't like it it's just it's got so much more complexity and i can't just be like oh pretty lights and gift giving it's like no it's it's there's so much more underneath the surface including but not exclusive to i've got to listen to the same songs over and over again <laughs> our first f-bomb of the christmas episode there may be more but i mean i i the, the good thing about having kids i think is that i do see it from their perspective you know and so we make a big effort to make it magical for them but that means it does put a lot of stress on the parents you know what i mean yeah. to like yeah make it magical to even out the gift giving make sure everyone gets like equivalent good gifts and make the same traditions happen and it's like all this is happening while normal life is going on. do people realize like you still have to work in december you know what i mean like like there's still other things going on so yeah that's fair that's all fair i i, I can't argue with anything you just said and i <laughs> and i will at some point get really stressed out about all of those things <laughs> but i just like it <laughs> i'm just like a, a a dorky little kid who likes christmas <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, think it makes no. me feel like a kid a little bit. And I, and I really like that experience. Yeah, I get that. And I'm actually sad that I don't feel more like that. I think most of the time, but I get into my like, oh, now we've got to add all this, all this stress on top of everyday life too much. And my wife's really the one that kind of pulls me out of that usually. And it's just like, this isn't about you. <laughs> get over yourself. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> Where does it sit for your wife? Does she like Christmas? Yeah, I think that she, 
enjoys the kind of tradition and the family, all that. She, like she much more can live in that space. Yeah. Versus the kind of like, oh my God, can we just get back to like everyday life? Like I kind of feel like. <laughs> Once it gets cold around here, I'm really grateful for things like lights, especially when it's so yeah. dark so early. I'm picking my kids up at 3.30 uh, and we usually stay at the park for a long time and, and you know maybe they'll ride their bikes around the neighborhood and play with friends. And by 4.15, the sun is going down. And we're like, come on. Oh, it's not time to go home yet, but we got to go home. And I don't want to just sit in the house. So we like, you know, we try to play in the backyard or whatever. But this getting dark early since having kids has really gotten under my skin. I It didn't oh, bother me the, the way worst. it does now. And so once like everything's lit up, I'm pretty thrilled <laughs> to not be living in utter darkness. Yeah, I, I get that. Because there's like a silver lining to the darkness. Yeah, I wish that we would leave those lights up until the end of February. I would be really happy to leave all yeah. lights up. Maybe not Christmas trees, but all lights up until the end of February. Yeah, I do agree with you that the magic and the lights of the Christmas season, once that ends and all you have left is cold and <laughs> darkness. <laughs> We're, right. you get Our Chicago perspective is coming out real hard here. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. But Chicago in January and February is typically pretty rough. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and you know, some states have it worse than us, but it. The sun just goes away. <laughs> it's yeah, really not many, not many. Yeah, I'm just thinking about my friends who live in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, but I it's even that it's like it's comparable, you know, depending on the winter season. Yeah, fair. When you were growing up, did you enjoy Christmas? Have you always oh, yeah. been a Scrooge about it? Oh, okay. No, no, I loved it as a kid. I loved the kind of like finding, even finding the same music. I mean, I think that's going to be the story of the album I picked today is like, mm. it's got a lot of nostalgia for me, but like putting up the Christmas tree, pulling out the same things and the tradition of it. And then of course, like as a kid, you're just like very into the gift giving, or I should say gift receiving <laughs> yeah, of sure. uh, the Christmas season. <laughs> so no, I think, I, I think that came as an adult really. Do you have any memories of your favorite Christmas gifts? I remember a lot of toys, obviously. And it's funny because I remember the ones that I ended up breaking pretty fast the most, I think, because it was like this very special thing that didn't last very long. Oh, one that I've actually written about is I got the gift of the Internet for Christmas one year. Tell tell us more. (laughs) This is actually hilarious and so anachronistic now. Does somebody give you like an AOL starter CD? (laughs) Yeah. So I'd been so I'd had a computer at home and this is for our younger listeners. You've got to remember this is the 90s. We're talking about dial up. We're talking about like the Internet first getting a foothold in the culture. I had a computer, but it was not connected to the Internet. And I was like, obviously, like friends that had this and there was a whole conversation Mm -hmm. about it. And I was just like, we got it. We got to get this at home. And my parents kind of resisted it for a while. And then one Christmas in a box were four floppy disks that would connect to a local internet service once you kind of set up the software to do it. Nice. And again, this was still like dial up. It was still very slow. But I was like, yes, it's amazing. And so, yeah, for one Christmas, I got the gift of the internet in (laughs) floppy disk form. And and that determined the rest of your life's trajectory. (laughs) Yeah, right. Kind of. <laughs> I always I often do think about like getting that first computer and getting that Internet connection was a turning point. I didn't really know it was a turning point back then, obviously, you know. Sure, sure. All of my favorite Christmas gifts revolve around music, which is like a fun memory. I, my, my best Christmas was the year I got my first CD player. 
Uh, ah. I was just so happy to finally have a CD player. I remember getting some of these albums got released like right around the end of November, December. So I remember I could never afford Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and The Infinite Sadness. I would never be able to afford it because uh, it was a double disc. It was like yeah. $30 or something like that to buy this album. So I got it for Christmas and, and I didn't know I was going to get it for Christmas. And I was so happy. I remember getting Pearl Jam's Vitalogy for Christmas and <laughs> My mom like kind of reluctantly got it for me. And when I opened it, she goes, now, David, I want to talk to you about this album a little bit. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, there's a song on here called Satan's Bed. Tell me about that song. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So God bless my mom for still getting the CD that I deeply wanted, even though she had concerns about Satan's Bed (laughs) as one of the tracks on the back cover. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I also got my CD first CD player and first CD for Christmas. And I think that the first CD was Boys to Men. And my parents kind of reluctantly got it for me because they were like, really, this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got, I remember getting Billy Joel's River of Dreams as my first CD, which now seems like Random. I've never, did I like Billy Joel's? I must I have like, really I don't liked I think I've ever heard you songs. talk about Billy Joel in the past. Yeah. It does not mean anything to me. I, I never listened to it now, but I have a very clear memory of, uh, I know and it was my parents buying it for me, so they weren't necessarily dialed in. At this point, I wasn't giving them lists of things I wanted. So they weren't necessarily as dialed in to, you know, the things that I loved. But I I, I do have some memory of really liking that CD. <laughs> probably because yeah. it was my first CD and I just played it over and over again. Yeah. I had a huge cassette <laughs> collection at the time. But yeah. So I think I want to start with your pick because your pick feels like kind of the more whimsical side of Christmas. And, and it's really fun. And I have a lot to say about it. So why don't you introduce yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Did you have you have you heard this? I'm sure oh. you heard songs from it. Well, but... not only had I heard it, but did you know that this album was published in the year zero AD? It has just always existed in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it is synonymous with Christmas. <laughs> it is for me. I agree. I, so this was one of the albums. So my parents didn't buy a lot of Christmas music, like specific to the season, but we had the cassette tape of this album. And would put it on every year for probably 10 years. Yeah. And so this album is synonymous with my childhood experience of Christmas. And it is A Very Special Christmas by various artists (laughs) from the 80s. (laughs) Including Whitney Houston, U2, Run DMC, Madonna... Bon Jovi, Stevie Nicks, like a lot of legit artists that were like hot back then, but also have a, a lot of staying power. And um, Alison Witt, <laughs> who I still weird. don't know who Alison Witt is. She's like the <laughs> one weird. person on this whole list that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Anyway, but I actually like am surprised by how much I still love this album. Hmm. You know, like something so cheesy and whimsical to your point. <laughs> That still has a lot of those songs that I talked about that just get reinterpreted and replayed over and over. But in my mind, in my mind, the quintessential versions of those songs are on this album that no one has done it better than being than they did it on this album. And I don't know. I will be honest. I think this is one of those times where it's just like all it's just all the nostalgia for me. But. I just, I can't, I, can someone do, do you hear what I hear better than Whitney Houston? I mean, come on. Yeah. 
Perry Como right? would like to have a word with you, but keep going. But I think my favorites are like Christmas and Hot, like the originals. There aren't a lot of originals on here, but Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC, so fun. Yeah. So fun. Talk us through, is Christmas and Hollis your first rap song that you loved? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's it's definitely the only, I mean, I'm obviously at this age, 1987, I would have been, what, five? Like, I was very young. <laughs> right. Um. So it might have been the first rap song I even encountered. I'm, I don't think my parents put on a lot of rap in our house. So I might have encountered some on TV or whatever. So it might be, that's actually a good question. It might be the first one that like even held a legitimate place in my conscience, to be honest. I actually wonder sometimes, I, I don't have the research to, to do this right, but I wonder if Christmas and Hollis is most of America's first rap song that they had in their collection. Yeah, maybe. Or the, I mean, just thinking about like Run DMC at this time, was this pre or post their kind of Aerosmith collab? Because that to me was the big like kind of, putting rap into the mainstream that's a good question i i, I my gut is that it's after that, that that happened before this but in the name of good podcasting let's look it up <laughs> yeah good question walk this way was the year before 1986 and my understanding of that song is that that is what really brought hip-hop into the mainstream because of the collaboration with aerosmith and like mm. bringing it to a much bigger audience than it had before so this would have been just the next year. So between Walk This Way and Christmas and Hollis, at least, you got to say that Run DMC had a very big hand in kind of bringing hip hop into the mainstream in the late 80s. Some of the lyrics on this on this record or on this album kind of gave me my first sense of stereotypical black America. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's Christmas time in Hollis, like Queens. Mom's cooking chicken and collard greens. Rice and stuffing macaroni and cheese. I think I understood what every black family ate because of the song. And, and I'm sure that isn't actually true, but I just made up a whole narrative about black America yeah. based on Christmas and Hollis. It's definitely at least the first time a reindeer has been def- defined as ill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> first time that Santa Claus has been pictured with a million dollars in his wallet. I mean, it's, it's just such a great song that it, that captures such an amazing moment in time, I think. Absolutely. So there's so many good songs on this record. Kristen Hollis is definitely the reason to go out and find this record. Yeah. But Agreed. The Pretenders, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, is the best Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And have yourself a merry little Christmas. And Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is easily a top five Christmas song for me. And yeah. I have dozens and dozens of versions of it in my library. And nothing beat the Pretenders. And I don't love the Pretenders necessarily. Like Chrissy Hindi has an amazing voice. Most of my memory of Chrissy Hindi and the Pretenders is her showing up on Friends to sing Smelly Cat with Phoebe. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but, uh, having some of the track listing on this record is really wild. Like going from something really like somber and, and lovely into like kind of random big poppy versions of songs there's not a lot of thought given to the track list when i was listening to it yesterday i i kept kind of getting whiplash of how did we get here how did we get from christmas baby please come home by you two which is kind of like you know 
earnest and and taking themselves way too seriously into Madonna's Santa Baby. Yes, <laughs> which which on that song, her voice is so leaning into that like kind of stereotypical, just honestly probably slightly misogynistic interpretation of this song that you can't even tell it's her like i remember being surprised that this was madonna when i first realized after i'd heard it do you remember the 30 rock episode with uh uh what's her name that she was on the uh she's been in a hundred things she's in palm springs and on the last season of how i met your mother but she played like the little baby like the girl who was pretending to be a little baby this is what Madonna's voice sounds like to me in yes. Santa Baby. <laughs> that's that's 100% it. There's a really great parody of this song on the show Community um, where they... Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember this? this? Yeah. Where they where they were like all being suckered into joining Glee Club. And so <laughs> Alison Brie does this like <laughs> this interpretation of Santa Baby that just makes her seem like really stupid. And it's very, very good. <laughs> I just remember it ends in like boop, boop, sex. Help! <laughs> It's so good. Do you have fondness for every, like, I don't love Bruce Springsteen. I just have never clicked with it. Like, I'm sure yeah. that's sacrilegious, but I've never cared about Bruce Springsteen very much. Um, John Cougar Mellencamp is another that just never was in my wheelhouse. There's a Brian Adams. There's a yeah, Bon same. Jovi live song on here that to me kind of sounds bad. And I actually really like Bon Jovi. Like, I have lots of nostalgia for Bon Jovi. <laughs> but when it comes time for Backdoor Santa and his livers, I'm like, oh, your band's kind of a mess. I I think there are songs on here that I can kind of take or leave that like, I don't think any of this, especially because I listen to it so much. Again, this sure. feels like very personal to me that I could just put it on now and just let the whole thing play and kind mm-hmm. of feel vaguely nostalgic about everything. But I definitely think there are songs that I actively enjoy and like want to hear versus ones that I yeah. can kind of take or leave. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you have any other standouts, ones that you you enjoy when it comes up on Shuffle on your Christmas playlist? Oh, good question. I do agree. I don't usually like you two, but the like earnestness with which he kind of pours himself into this song about coming home on Christmas makes this a really, really good track. I mean, I even I like the Pointer Sisters version of Santa Claus is coming to town. It's super fun. Again, Whitney Houston pouring her heart out. And do you hear what I hear? I mean, Christmas Hollis is definitely my favorite. There's nothing like it. But again, I don't know that there's any here that I don't that are really like actively terrible or like I would want to, you know, skip every single time. This is a great record. It reminds me there's a lot of like there's kind of two. I'll talk about this a little more in my pick, but there's kind of two buckets that most Christmas music falls into. And this is definitely like the poppy side of, of Christmas. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so my favorite pop Christmas album is A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector. This is the one with Darlene Love and the Ronettes all over it. They do like the baby please come home that has become the standard. It's like this big wall of sound, like Phil Spector you know, Beast Boys style wall of sound. Right. And just throwing everything, like all of this kind of Motown flavor. And it is just so huge and anthemic and alive. And it genuinely makes me excited for Christmas. Like I think the best Christmas music can take me on days where I'm annoyed with the consumerism and I'm annoyed with how are we going to have time to get all these Christmas gifts ordered and wrapped. 
how am I going to forgive myself for the massive amounts of money I'm spending on Amazon.com? <laughs> and, uh, and these songs can come on and lift my spirits and be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I'm going to go have a candy cane and some eggnog. I don't actually like eggnog, but there's something about these songs that make me want to like eggnog. <laughs> make me want to like really embrace okay. the Christmas. We season. definitely disagree about eggnog. Oh, I you like eggnog. eggnog? And my all my kids love eggnog, which is surprising, but every one of them love it. So we go through eggnog like crazy in this house during December. And then they're all super confused and frustrated about why you can't get it all year long. They're like, why is this not in stores? All year long, and we don't have a good answer for that. Other than that, because it's awful. It's only good because it's once a year. (laughs) Disagree. Do you like like peppermint mochas and and all of the? Definitely don't like peppermint mochas. I'm not a big peppermint fan, but I do like the taste of eggnog and the eggnog lattes that Starbucks has had. Pretty good. Problem with eggnog is it's all cream and sugar. It's like the worst (laughs) thing for you. It's like yeah, like, like so calorie dense. Anyway. That's amazing. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up this part? Yeah, my other problem with Christmas music. Yeah, please. <laughs> <is> that <laughs> I just remembered as I was looking at this is that it really fucks up your kind of like <laughs> your the Spotify and and <laughs> Apple music don't really get that this is a like just this time of year kind of thing. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? So like the more you listen to it, the more it just gets built into that algorithm. Yeah. You know, so it just kind of it, it messes up all your suggestions. I'm kind of OK with that for one month. I don't need them to keep recommending things after December 25th, That's maybe what I'm after saying. January 1st. But That's uh, what I'm saying. when I was listening to this, because this was the first Christmas music I had listened to in the season, it went from the last track on Very Special Christmas, which is uh, a, a version of Silent Night by Stevie Nicks into the gorillas feel good incorporated and it was a weird transition <laughs> i was i would have rather they pick some christmas music for me <laughs> That's really funny. so for my pick like i was saying i think that there are sort of two kinds of christmas music i saw one person refer to this as there's religious sentimentality and then there's holiday pop and, and both of those have meaningful places for me like religious yeah. sentimentality and often overlap and often overlap. And, and, you know, this is like the one time a year where like artists who have nothing to do with Christianity will just cover a, a song very clearly about Jesus. And everybody's like, cool. Yeah, I know. And nobody, nobody bats an eye. It's very weird. It's very weird. And I want to be respectful that not everybody who listens to this podcast believes the things I believe. So I don't want to like preach. You can't be an American and not know the Jesus part of Christmas. It's just like synonymous with one very yeah. annoying part of our culture <laughs> and and i reject wholly like the kind of christian nationalism and the, the the worst versions of christianity but it is to me very moving and deep and meaningful i just want to simply say that the story of a god loving us so much that he wants to enter into our world is really beautiful and the narrative around that story including details like a scandalous conception and choosing meager and downtrodden circumstances as the place where it happens, it is really moving to me. And in the album that I picked today, A Song of Simeon, A Christmas Journey, it is a, an album by the Will Scruggs Jazz Fellowship. Will Scruggs genuinely tries to find kind of a third path between holiday pop and religious sentimentality. He really hmm. wants to like create a record that wrestles, is maybe the wrong word, but, but actually like engages with the deep and moving part of this narrative, which I think most people would agree as a story, at least is a moving uh, story. And so 
In his own words, he attempts to create a musical journey through the deeper themes of the Christmas narrative using ancient canticles and hymns and folk melodies. He chooses 11 pieces to formulate a layered chronology that illustrates the profound spiritual mystery of the radical biblical story of the birth of Christ. And this album is amazing. It's largely a jazz record. It's made by this sort of quintet. And then they bring in several different horn players to, to, to supplement that as well. And in this album just really moves and really grooves. And, and it, it fits a place for me in the Christmas season that is absolutely my favorite version of Christmas music. So there is a TV show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Do you remember the show at all? I do, yeah. So it was, it was an Aaron Sorkin show. It was a te- in some sense the story of like behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live and it was way too self-important. You know, it was it was not a very good show, although there were amazing performances from Matthew Perry and, and other people. And there was a Christmas episode that's probably the best episode of the show. And on it, this trombone player named Troy Andrews, people know as Trombone Shorty, is the musical guest on this Saturday Night Live style show. And he and his kind of New Orleans jazz fellowship play a version of Oh Holy Night that is so moving and so profound to me. Like it brings me to tears when I listen to it. Hmm. And, you know, it's just a, it's just instrumental. There's no lyrics, but it's completely beautiful. And, and NBC actually did a thing where they made that track available to download. Um, so I have like a version of it in my catalog that you can't find in many places. So if anybody wants a version of that, uh, reach out hmm. to me. I'd be happy to send it to you. But it's this beautiful song, and I have sort of chased it for a decade. Like I've tried to find an album that feels like that song for so long, and and I've tried so many compilations by New Orleans jazz groups. I've tried Wynton Marcellus albums. I've tried you know Christmas albums that Troy Andrews is actually a part of, and none of them hit that same spot. They're either too light and whimsical or they're too musically complex for kind of casual listening, which I think Christmas music by nature has to be. And so the first album that I've ever found that feels like that song for an entire course of an album is a song of Simeon by the Will Scruggs Jazz Fellowship. And it is so beautiful. It tells a complete story. It it has these two movements that it's, that it's separated into. And and both of them feel like coherent suites of music, even though a lot of these songs are very familiar, they will feel in my opinion, more alive and more compelling as they're situated in the strapless very thoughtfully. Uh, So his father is named Perry Scruggs and he was a reverend uh, or is a reverend. and, And he helped guide Will through how you might put together a Christmas narrative to kind of get at all of the different pieces of, of the story throughout, throughout the Bible. And something that I find really fascinating about this is that I feel all of those things come to life for me. And I obviously know all those things because of my religious background, but I feel the, the elements of all of that, even though there's no words in this album, this is, a, this is an instrumental jazz record. And yeah. so I love when things can evoke something deep and moving and sacred and spiritual just through music and not through like words and poems or anything like that, but just through just through music. And so this is largely based in kind of 50s and 60s jazz roots, which gives yep. it that kind of familiar Christmassy feeling that you might get on something like, you know, Vince Guaraldi's A Charlie Brown Christmas, which is maybe actually my favorite Christmas record and the one that like <laughs> most associated with Christmas. Great and album. it takes on other elements of musical traditions like African elements and Dixieland and other things. And I just can't 
recommend this album enough. I, I find it so moving. I listen to it every year and, I, and I'm so happy. And it's not necessarily one that I can toss on a playlist on shuffle. Like I do think right. it's the best experience in order. It kind of starts with this low hum and kind of haunting, mysterious moment. And then it moves into big jazz flourishes and big anthemic introductions and then kind of moves from there. I really love this record. It it fits a place for me that feels very singular. And I wanted to choose something today that maybe somebody would find for the first time because so much Christmas music is ubiquitous and, and it's hard to find something new. And this is like the one that I think deserves more place in our culture than actually get. So there's my soapbox. What do you think of this record? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that you will uh, debut this to many people who have not heard it, yeah. <laughs> including me when you sent this <laughs> to me this week. Yeah, I I think that I was actually, so you, you sent this and obviously it's called a jazz fellowship. So I was like, okay, I know what to expect here. And mm. I put it on and it's about what I expected. <laughs> yeah. Until it actually has a surprising depth. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about like where he the needle he's trying to thread where it's not just kind of like he's not looking for Christmas elevator music. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of what I was expecting when I put it on. So I, you know, I was expecting Christmas background music, basically like, I okay, we're putting something on the tree. We're sitting around the fire. Mm -hmm. We're drinking eggnog. We can have this playing the background for like pleasant. We're having conversation. But as I was listening to it, like it does have a surprising depth that I think is pro- is about like tone shifts. Mm. It's not just kind of like the kind of generic elevator music jazz that you would normally hear the entire time. Like it actually does try to bring you into a deeper place. But my question for you was, can you listen to this and kind of pick out in different entry points? Or do you kind of have to start in your point of view, kind of from start to finish? And do you do you feel like people it can kind of still play that put it on in the background role? So we often put this on in the background at our house. Okay. And so I think it can because there's enough like whimsical, playful jazz stuff going on in the record that it can sit in that place. For sure. But it is it deserves a real listen. And that's not true of most Christmas music. Like I really love Christmas music and there's almost none of it that you should sit down and only listen to it and do nothing else. Yes. Agree for all the reasons we already said. <laughs> yeah, this one would actually benefit from sitting down with some headphones and, and listening to it. It's a proper jazz record. Like it's a it's a moving piece of music. And, and I think it is best experienced front to back. Like I think I, I, I have sometimes had something pop up on Shuffle and it doesn't quite hit the same spot as when I've kind of worked through the entire ah. album. But I'm kind of making this sound like homework and it's not. It's a fun record. It is a uh, a record that's full of uh, surprises and delights and, and really good playing, like really good musicianship. And so I, if I'm making this sound like kind of a, 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 like you need to bring a hermeneutic to it and have a, a seminary degree to, to appreciate <laughs> it, and it's absolutely not true. I, I just think that it, it is tapping into something that isn't religious sentimentality in a season that is full of religious sentimentality. And, and I, I yeah. really appreciate it for that. And I don't think there's a lot of records like it. Yeah. I think the only one, the only other Christmas album I've had that had that kind of tinge of religious sentimentality that I actually still really enjoy is uh, probably Sufjan's Christmas album, which is really good. We put on many times. But yeah, as 
as someone, as you know, has had a complicated relationship right. with Christianity and religion for many, many years, I don't necessarily seek that out as part of the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, to your point, this, you don't really need that to enjoy this album. No, I wouldn't. I think, think so. if you recognize the melodies, you know, there's some, there's some like, let's call them Christmas deep cuts, like <laughs> Low How Rose Air Blooming, that like most people who haven't sat in church services and had to sing along with hymns are going to recognize. Yeah. That's um, true. But I don't think you need to. Yeah, I agree. And and there's enough here that is, you know, it's going to start with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Like, it's going to, you know, it's going to hit the Christmas yeah. greatest hits <laughs> along the way. It, it just kind of resituates them. Exactly. There's some recognizable bangers in here. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of, it, it comes at them in a slightly different way. So high, high recommendations. Uh, I'd love to kind of talk about, I don't have a regular canon that it includes any Christmas music, but my like Christmas sure. canon essentially is three albums deep. It's this one. It's a Christmas gift for you by Phil Spector. And it's Vince Guaraldi's Charlie Brown Christmas. And the Charlie Brown Christmas is essentially on a loop in our house. When we put a Christmas tree up. Oh my God. We're opening opening Christmas presents. Like that one is, it just feels like, like that one actually might've been published in zero AD. Like it feels like the soundtrack to Christmas for me. (laughs) And maybe not the religious Christmas, more like the cultural Christmas. Well, also those Charlie Brown Christmas specials are so ubiquitous this time of year too. It's like that and the Grinch. Yeah. I find those specials not very compelling when we put them on. I'm like, why why was this so beloved? But I think half the reason it's beloved is because of the music. The music is so good and feels so Christmassy and and lively and playful. I would venture to say even more than half of the reason, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I don't really have a Christmas canon either. I think if I did, it'd probably be that out the Charlie Brown. I 100% agree. The Sufjan album, mm. A Very Special Christmas, very few others. Yeah. To, to our point about me just genuinely not enjoying the overplaying <laughs> of these songs during Christmas. Well, the good news is I'm only going to make you do one more episode <laughs> about Christmas music, uh, but I hope it's going to be fun. <laughs> I hope it's going to be a doozy. <laughs> Let's talk about real quick uh, what you are listening to this week. We haven't talked a lot about a lot of hip hop this year, and it's because there haven't been a lot of kind of full hip hop albums that I've liked. There's been singles, of course, I, I think for me, Hip hop has really been a single genre for the most part, mm. but there's been two albums that have come out recently that I've actually really enjoyed. One is called Integrated Tech Solutions by Aesop Rock, and one that just came out as we're recording this, Coranta by Danny Brown. Coranta in particular um, is has been really enjoyable for me. I think it has a, a depth that surprised me. Danny Brown, I've listened to and guests had guest spots and, you know, he's been kind of on my radar for the last few years, but he's never been a go-to artist for me and never, I think, shown that much depth, especially because his voice in particular is very not deep. He has a like distinctive kind of like high pitched nasally kind of voice, but I really, really love this album. I, mm. I, I it might even end up on my best of for this year. Time wait for no man so you can't waste time, can't get time back. Time at the time, time wait for no man, so you can't waste time, can't get time back. Time so definitely go back. I would say listen to that. Aesop Rock is super fun and kind of like nerdy indie indie rap, uh, just kind of a fun album. Drawing pigeons, people tend to feed them off epitome the way it's rare to see them individually considered. There's always like a million eating cigarettes and ketchup. Danny Brown's super deep and loved it. Nice. I uh, I really want to spend some time with the Danny Brown album. I, I find myself, 
I actually think that his lyrics are pretty deep on some of the other albums that he's released, Triple um, X especially. But his voice, I really like it for like two songs. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this for another 40 minutes. Yeah. That's how that's how I've thought too. So I was actually surprised that this one I really I found myself listening to the whole thing and then could have listened to more. So nice, that was good for my pick this week for for what I've been listening to is essentially I hate when I do this, but it's just the honest truth. It is one song over and over again <laughs> uh, because the smile, which is the Radiohead side project, includes Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. They are putting out a new album in January. They released a single earlier this year called Bending Hectic, which is on it and is my favorite, The Smile track. It's so cool. And they just put out a new album, or sorry, they just put out a new single off of the upcoming record called Wall of Eyes, which is the title track of the album. And it is kind of a weird song. It's like kind of a bossa nova vibe that I was a little surprised by. And it took me like four or five listens before I was into it. There's an there's a video for it by Paul Thomas Anderson, which is, nice. is great. But it still took me several listens. And now I'm all the way into it. But essentially, anytime Radiohead does anything new or the Radiohead members, especially Tom or Johnny, do anything new, it's a really good day at the Sandell household. <laughs> and so I've had the Wall of Ice single on repeat. And I, I fully expect to be talking about this album a lot in January. And and I'm sure you're going to hear about it again in June and hear oh, yeah. about it again in December. <laughs> Is that so, when it comes out, June? No, it comes out in January. I'm just saying my oh, mid-year okay. best of and my end of the year ah. best of. If the smile isn't on it, I'll be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I knew this would come up. Um, I actually really liked the new single, maybe even more than Bending Hectic. So hmm. I'm looking forward to this as well. And you and I have seen the smile together live yeah. and just so much fun. So much fun. I'm looking forward. Hopefully those two are again and we can get back there. I feel like the closest I'll get to seeing Radiohead live probably. Uh, no, no, there'll be more. There'll be more. All right, man. I am uh, really excited that Christmas is upon us. I apologize for making you kickstart Christmas several <laughs> weeks early. <laughs> it's all right. You're just, you're running it into the ground. I mean, that's what, that's what's going to happen. Hey, man. By, by December 18th, I'm going to be like, no more. It's banned from this house. <laughs> They can blame me. It's fine. They can come over <laughs> and hang out and we'll listen to Christmas yeah, that's music right. together. You want Christmas music, you go to Dave's. All right, everyone. If you have obscure Christmas music, I genuinely want to hear it. So send me your recommendations. Maybe don't send Caleb your recommendations. If you send me something amazing, I might pass it on to him. But have a, a good first week of uh, the Christmas season and we will see you next week.